From Hollywood, it's dream time. gentlemen, the makers of Dream Shampoo are pleased to present the 14th in a series of new programs produced by Carlton Alsop and starring Don Amici. Let me sleep, will you, Blanche? Francis Langford. I just can't stand that snoring. And Danny Thomas. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to say I'm sorry I couldn't be with you last week, and may I take this opportunity to express my sincerest thanks to a great guy who pinch hit for me, Red Skelton. And by the way, where's our host? Oh, Don Amici. Hi, Danny. I'm glad to see you back. Thanks, thanks. By the way, Don, I listened last week. I heard you tell Francis that during my spare time I was a babysitter, and I resent it. Well, do you deny it? No, I just resent it. You know, Daddy, you'd get much better jobs if you learned to make friends quickly. But how? Well, be neighborly. The philosophy is to walk up to even a total stranger, throw your arms around him and say, let's be friends. Yeah, I did that the other day and I got slugged. Why? I don't know. It just doesn't seem to work on girls. You know, Danny, I think your problem lies in the fact that you're ignorant of the social graces. How much schooling have you had? I went to school for three years. Oh, well, I went to school for 14 years. Well, some people learn faster than others. <laughs> Don, if I had my choice, I'd have gone to Vassar. Oh, Danny, Vassar is devoted to girls. What do you think I'm devoted to, ducks? <laughs> now, Danny, you know, schooling isn't enough. To be a true gentleman, one must have a background of generations of culture. Mr. Amici, it may interest you to know that I have an Anglo-Saxon genealogy. Are you sure? How can I be sure? I don't even know what it means. Uh, I thought so. You see, Danny, if you're going to make friends, you must avoid making embarrassing social errors. For instance, now, the last time you were at my house, you finished dinner and you put your feet on the table. Oh, now, wait, Don. Well, you did, didn't you? Well, I did put my feet on your table, but, but I took my shoes off first. I mean, you're just trying to embarrass me, that's all. Look, I know all about that etiquette stuff, like, like when you take your girl to a pool room, you're supposed to let her shoot first. <laughs> You're not kidding me. If Emily Post is listening, you're making the best years of her life the worst. What am I supposed to do? Eat chewing gum with a knife and fork? We'll talk about that later. Right now, Francis Langford will sing You Can't See the Sun When You're Crying. You can't see the sun when you're crying a tear can hide the brightest sky of blue You can't hear a song when you're sighing No matter how the birds sing for you Suppose you make believe your eyes were cloudy window panes I'm sure you'd clean them up to look for rainbows when it rains you can't see the sun when you're crying So smile and let the sun shine Suppose you make believe your eyes 
sure you'd clean them up to look for rainbows when it rains. You can't see the sun when you're crying. So smile and let the sun shine through. Never before dream. What? Never before dream? No, never before dream could any shampoo reveal all the natural brilliance of your hair. Never before dream could any shampoo leave your hair so lustrous yet so easy to manage. Dream your hair and you bring out all its sparkling highlights. Dream your hair and you glamorize all its soft, thrilling texture. Dream your hair and you remove all luster-dulling soap film and unsightly dandruff. And what's more, Dream's rich whipped cream lather leaves your hair easier to set, easier to curl, easier to arrange right after shampooing. So for lovely, lustrous hair, and for all types of hair, use Dream Shampoo. Right. Never before Dream could any shampoo leave your hair so lustrous, yet so easy to manage. D-R-E-N-E, Dream Shampoo. Say, Francis, Elsa Maxwell's having an old-fashioned bundling party tonight. Do you want to come? Oh, I'd love to. Hey, could I come? I said bundle, no loose packages. <laughs> oh, he can come, can't he, Don? Oh, uh, I guess so, but I hope he doesn't embarrass us. What do you mean? Well, he thinks he's a social lion. He doesn't even know which part of the olive to throw away. <laughs> Maybe I don't, Don, but let me tell you something. I don't need culture. You can have your etiquette, and I don't want to be a member of Cafe Society. Who wants to drink coffee from a demitasse? <laughs> well, what's wrong with coffee in a demitasse? Nothing, but did you ever try to dunk a donut in that small cup? <laughs> Don, I'm afraid classy living is not for me. I was meant for the more horrible things in life, like drinking coffee from a coffee cup. <laughs> and who cares whether I go to your party? Two to one, they'll serve turkey. And who cares for turkey? If all the turkeys in the world were laid end to end, that's the part I'd get. <laughs> I'm satisfied to have my dinner where I have it every night at a hot dog stand called the Heroic Lunch. You just stand up and take it. <laughs> Who wants to be tied down to tradition? In society, one must tub every day. Hooray. It's all right, I like the tub, but if there's no hot water, I basin. Well, you know, just as well you don't go to the party, Danny, you are definitely not a member of cafe society, and the girls would find you very dull. Oh, they would, huh? Yes, these ladies of society have a very high IQ. So what's an IQ? As far as I'm concerned, an IQ is something you look for in a girl after you've looked at everything else. There's one thing that bothers me. Am I such a social outcast because I'm not a member of Cafe Society? Is it such a big thing to go to Ciro's or Macambo's every night? After all, what is a Hollywood nightclub? Want to know? I'll tell you. It's a place where a table of people from Toledo look over at a table of people from Milwaukee and say, gee, these movie stars look just like the folks back home. <laughs> Culture. Etiquette. There's such a thing as being too proper. Oh, come now, Danny. You're exaggerating. You don't believe me, huh? No. Now, Mr. Amici, I shall prove my point. Exhibit A. Did you ever hear the story of Swanky Bill? If he weren't so ultra, he'd be living still. Why, when he smoked a cigar, people used to say, 
He had more class than the fellow who threw it away. He had lots of dash. When he flicked that ash. Now Bill retained his manners and his cultured air. Although he thought the judge's verdict quite unfair. He gave him seven years, but William wasn't grim. He was so polite, he asked the judge to pardon him. What a well-bred lad. What finesse he had. Now, when he got out, he met up with the social crowd. And he was never vulgar or uncouth or loud. And with his attire, he was so genteel. He wore the very smartest jewels a man could steal. He was really great with such perfect taste. While dining with a duke from whom he stole a G, he raised his little finger when he drank his tea. And as a result, poor William died. Because the tea wasn't tea, it was cyanide. He was so well-bred, but he's awfully dead. That's the end of Exhibit A. Exhibit B. I shall never forget the party I attended, given by Lady Nelson in honor of her daughter, Half Nelson. It was a sultry night, and I was on the terrace, smoking a cigarette in a dinner jacket. I don't know why a cigarette should be in a dinner jacket, but that's society for you. Suddenly, a woman notices me. Hello there. My name's Patricia. Mine's Daniel. <laughs> nice meeting you and all that sort of rot. <laughs> oh, I, I don't believe we've ever met before. Hardly. I've been traveling the Far East. Oh, was it interesting? The Far East? Oh, yes. Full of Far Easterners, you know. <laughs> yes, I spent three years at the American Hotel in Shanghai. Why, how extremely weird. How did you ever manage with the food shortage over there? Ingenuity, my dear, ingenuity. I had a cow in my hotel room. <laughs> how could you get a cow in your hotel room? We registered as Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> oh, it sounds simply Fabulous, old boy. Uh, by the way, are you married? Oh, yes. Charming girl. Charming. Uh, anyone I might know? I, I doubt it. I doubt it. Don't know her myself. <laughs> Come now, of course you know her. No, really, really. I married her on an impulse. You see, her pater pulled a gun on me. Her pater? Yes, her mother, you know. <laughs> oh, you terribly fascinating. <laughs> oh, I'll wager you're the type who likes to sit around the house with a pipe. That's right. Oh, you're a dreamer? No, a plumber. <laughs> oh, how true. I meant the kind of pipe from which a man draws dreams. The material for smoke rings. Oh, but I can't blow smoke rings. Why not? Square mouth. <laughs> Sir, you're pulling my leg. How else can I get them even? <laughs> Excuse me, Lady Patricia, but this, uh, this man is obviously insulting you. Oh, no, no, I was just being gay. You see, my friends call me a buffoon, a jester. You, sir, are boorish, crass, overwhelmingly illiterate, and completely repugnant. How much of that is good? 
Please leave these premises and I'll see to it that my political friends in England, France, Italy, the Netherlands, and the Balkans forbid you to enter that country. Now, what have you to say? How are things in Glockamora? <laughs> now, the moral of the story, and there must be a moral, seems to evade me. But let's not quarrel, for we have a delightful surprise for you. We're gonna talk about the wonders of dream shampoo. Not 55%, not 75%, but 100%. Yes, Dream Shampoo reveals 100% of the natural beauty of your hair. All its sparkle, all its sheen, all its dazzling brilliance. Right. Never before Dream could any shampoo leave your hair so lustrous. That's because Dream is not a soap shampoo. Leaves no dull film, as all soaps do. And what's more, Dream does not dry out your hair. Instead, Dreen's richer whipped cream lather leaves your hair easier to set, easier to curl, easier to arrange right after shampooing. So for lovely, lustrous hair, use Dreen shampoo. Yes, for all types of hair, dry, normal, or oily, use Dreen shampoo. Buy Dreen at all drug department or 10-cent stores in the familiar blue and yellow package, or ask for Dreen at your beauty shop. Remember... Never before dream could any shampoo leave your hair so lustrous, yet so easy to manage. Yes, your hair can have that dazzling sheen the very first time that you use dream. Right, your hair can have that dazzling sheen the very first time that you use dream. <laughs> dream girl Frances Langford with Carmen Dragon and his orchestra sings There Is No Greater Love.
now Don Amici and Francis Langford as John and Blanche Bickerson in The Honeymoon is Over, written by Phil Rapp. The Bickersons have retired. Mrs. Bickerson lies tense and awake in the darkness as poor husband John, victim of a rare type of insomnia which keeps the patient in a complete lethargy for eight hours at a time, offers valid proof of his agonizing affliction. Listen. This has been going on since nine o'clock. Not that again. <laughs> John! John! Quit it! Quit it, Blanche. John! There must be something that'll put a stop to that hideous snoring. Why do you do it? Do what, Blanche? Snore. Hmm? Snore. Okay. <laughs> John! I'm going out of my mind. For years, you've been telling people you've got insomnia. And you not only sleep like a log, but you sound like you're, sno you're sawing it. Very funny. It isn't funny, it's tragic. There's the clock again. Two o'clock. I've counted that thing chime 45 times since we went to bed, and I still haven't slept. Well, how do you expect to sleep if you're going to lie there counting chimes? <laughs> Throw the darn clock out. It's keeping me awake, too. You wouldn't wake up if we had Big Ben in the room. Big Ben who? I'm a nervous wreck. I've got crow's feet around my eyes. My forehead's all wrinkled. My chin is sagging. Yeah. I'm beginning to look like an old hag. It's true, isn't it? I wouldn't say that. Why not, John? I'll be awake for the rest of the night. You do think it's true, though, don't you? What's true? I'm beginning to look like an old hag. You are not beginning to look like an old hag. Why do you emphasize beginning? All right, you're not beginning to look like an old hag. That sounds even worse. Well, how do you want me to say it? Say I look beautiful. Okay, I look beautiful. Good night. Oh, I don't know how a man could be so cruel. Is it any wonder I'm getting old before my time? What time is it? It's after two o'clock and I haven't slept a wink. Well, go to sleep. You can't stand their side of me, can you, John? I can stand it fine. Before we were married, you used to say such beautiful, poetic things. You don't anymore. Oh, well, Blanche, how do you expect me to feel poetic at two o'clock in the morning? You used to feel that way at three o'clock before we were married. <laughs> say something poetic. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a Oh, baseball. stop it. You're just trying to irritate me now. Well, what do you want me to say? You know what I want you to say. Okay. Blanche, when I look into your eyes, time stands still. Are you satisfied? No. But why not? That might also mean I have a face that would stop a clock. Well, if the shoe fits, wear it. I want to get some sleep. You're not going to make me believe I'm hideous and ugly, John Pickerson. Huh. It isn't so long ago I won a beauty contest in my hometown. Long enough. 
I never hear you tell any of your friends about it. Oh, Blanche, a man can't go around telling his friends that his wife was Miss Clam Harbor Lighthouse in 1931. You make it sound as though I were the only girl in the contest. What about my sister, Clara? What about her? Plenty. You won it, didn't you? I'd like to hear you talk that way about Gloria Gooseby. Oh, now, don't start with Gloria Gooseby. The way you drool every time you look at her, you'd think she was Miss America. I don't drool when I see anybody. I hate Gloria Gooseby. Then why do you keep inviting her here to dinner? I didn't invite her. You did. Don't change the subject. (laughs) If it weren't for the fact that her husband, Leo, is such a nice person, I wouldn't have either of them in the house. And the dinner was awful. Well, you cooked it, Blanche. Yes, but the thought of that horrible Gloria Gooseby coming to dinner got me all confused and it ruined everything. The minute I turned my back, the roast caught on fire and I had to throw soup on it to put it out. You should have thrown that pie on it, too. There was nothing wrong with the pie. I hate lemon meringue and you know it. It wasn't lemon meringue, it was apple pie. Well, what was that yellow stuff on top? The crust got burned and I had to put some unguntine on it. <laughs> 